Oh god, that's awful. Welcome to Games We Grew Up With, a podcast that relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. Each episode, we're going to talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids, put on some rose-tinted glasses and reminisce about it, then replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we'll be barrel launching back to the past and talking about Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo. I'm Katie. I'm Chris. We've got our bananas locked away, so let's talk games. So we are past the milestone. We are on episode 11. I think that is a fun place to be. Uh, how, How are you feeling, Katie? I don't know why it's a fun place to be. I think I am slightly relieved to not be playing Final Fantasy right now. <laughs> it was As, it was so nice to move on from that, like right. just something you could relax to. Yeah, it's it's not so much that I didn't enjoy the games. I mean, my opinions of the games are kind of well known. If you've listened to the last podcast, listen to the last podcast. But I think more of yeah, just being able to not stress and have to think. I, t- I, I took notes, of course, but I didn't have to take copious notes to make sure I knew what I was even doing. That was kind of a nice relief. And just nice to have yeah, a game, a more relaxed game to play through. So that was kind of an exciting shift over. I think we've also got a lot of positive feedback from people about our uh, playing DK. I think a lot of people remember playing it. We didn't get a lot of memories about it. We didn't, to be fair, leave a ton of time for feedback because we were recording this episode a tad bit early since it is the holiday season. But, you know... It was nice to play the, a nice, relaxing game of Donkey Kong. Relaxing might be a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how we played it. We did get feedback. Even in kind of the short time, we had feedback from Thomas, who described this game as hard. And then he said many of the enemies had dull, glazed-looking faces. Which I don't know if I get. I guess it's it's kind of hard to tell with some of the sprites. But it, I, I could definitely agree on on the first part of that statement. We also had Ryan bring up something we're definitely going to talk about in a little bit, which is Minecart Carnage was simultaneously one of the coolest and most frustrating levels ever. Ugh. And they're definitely going to talk about that. Agreed. Level. And I think that is a, a, a great segue into our next segment, um, which, again, is our reoccurring segment at this point in the podcast. Chris, it's time for video game trope of the day. <gasps> trope of the day! Sound effect, sound effect, sound effect. You need to actually add sound. You promised sound effects for the last episode. Okay, so I kind of alluded to it with our last uh, listener comment, but Chris, what's today's video game trope of the day? This episode's trope of the day is that level. And everyone knows that level. It's the level that sticks in your brain because it was ridiculously hard. It was ridiculously stupid. It was ridiculously frustrating. It made you want to smash controllers, throw down everything. It, it, it's, yeah. yeah. These are the levels that are infamous. Yes. These are the levels that you talk about. Again, back in the day, you would talk about with your friends on the playground and was like, you beat that level or I just got to that level. And not every game has them, uh, but a lot of games have Especially them. the and, old and again, this, games, right? Like the ones that yes, we were talking about. And in particular, about. 
Yeah, and in particular, these aren't bosses. This is almost no. never referring to bosses. Correct. These are just levels that just have some portion of the game that just is just becomes notorious. We mentioned this actually in our seventh episode, our GoldenEye episode. We talk about escort missions are often known mm-hmm. as that level, though they often appear as that level in the game. So when <laughs> when Natalia, as I was corrected, because again, <laughs> I'm still calling her Natasha, as when you're having to escort Natalia around, that was a that level in GoldenEye. Um, it was, yeah, what was it, like control? Places. Like where you have to, where where she's sitting there pounding on the keyboard and there are enemies coming in from all sides and you're running around. As, as you said, yeah. it's it's a lot of times escort missions, like in Earthworm Jim, episode one, uh, we had, I mean, there was a bunch of that levels in that game because it was just so freaking hard. There was, um, for Pete's sake where you had to walk Pete through everything. Absolutely. These are, again, the levels that are just, that drive you crazy, that are just so hard. These are levels that are hard no matter what difficulty you're in. So some other examples, like I said, you know, we have the escort missions with uh, Natalia in GoldenEye. It's like Earthworm Jim for Pete's sake, or even Down the Tubes is another oh, one for that Earthworm was, Jim. Yeah, that was a rough one too. So uh, this is uh, the high road in Crash Bandicoot mm-hmm. is notorious for this. In the game we are going to be discussing today, it's, as we said, Minecart Carnage. That is that level that so many people, when you talk about Donkey Kong uh, Country, will bring up Minecart Carnage. It's one of those like word association things. Like You say the name of a game, and the first thing you think of is that level. Like, what was the awful part of that? Like, But this is, like, even in, like, Jack and Daxter, while it's still, like, platformer, the spider caves in Jack and oh. Daxter are known. Like, especially the dark cave of the spider caves were very, very yeah. frustrating, I think, for a lot of people. Yoshi racing in Mario RPG. Oh. And that was, yeah. Uh, I think Chris just made the sound effect of that level of, oh. <laughs> like if that is your initial reaction to hearing a level it is name, that level it's that level and it's so frustrating i think the one that level that we haven't talked about yet is the infamous battletoads level where you're on the hover bike but it's it's that stereotypical going so quickly and you have to dodge around and it's it's almost impossible and everyone talks about that one Battletoads level. It's like become a meme almost. Yeah, well, of course, Battletoads became its own meme for being A, notoriously hard, and then B, for calling up your local game store and asking if they have Battletoads in stock. Thank you very much for the two years I worked at GameStop. But yes, there are that levels all over. I'm, I know we will be encountering them again as we continue to play through games. Uh, they, are, again, are notorious for these old school games. So we'll probably be complaining about that levels every single podcast. But for now, I think that's a good wrap up of this episode's video game trope of the day. Trope of the day! My God, that's obnoxious. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> so Look, you gotta, you, you gotta change it up. There's 99 flowers of horror. Not all of them are gonna be winners. David has pumpkins. <laughs> Thank you, Producer Kyle, for getting that reference. I got the reference because you've made me watch it a hundred times. That's true. <laughs> because it's fantastic. Producer Lisa does not appreciate David S. Pumpkins. Oh, it's so good. Any questions?
Yes, yes, so <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so now that we've covered our video game trope of the day, let's actually get into the meat of the episode and let's talk Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo. So Donkey Kong Country was released for the Super Nintendo in 1994. It was made by Rare in one of their first really big hits. While this game is one of Rare's first forays into major game development, and obviously they've become very well known for it in the later years, though they have dropped off recently, I think the other thing to note, and we talked about this in an earlier episode, that Donkey Kong Country was a huge game for video games in general because of the 3D sprites. This was this was getting into graphics that most video game engines hadn't seen. The competition for this, of course, was Vector Man, and we talked about this in our Vector Man episode, that these two games were the competition for each other on the two different systems. Yeah, so this was after the Donkey Kong franchise was kind of inactive for a ton of years, because they came out with a Donkey Kong 3 in 1983 that was incredibly unsuccessful, and kind of killed the franchise for a bunch of years, up until uh, two brothers, Tim and Chris Stampler, who... uh, were the founders of Ultimate Play, a game studio. They created Rare in 85 to kind of focus on the Japanese market. So, yeah, a little bit more genealogy with with Rare. They kind of, as a proof of concept to Nintendo, they reverse-engineered the Nintendo hardware because Nintendo was saying that it was impossible at the time. So they just kind of went, Hey, we've got your hardware. Here's a bunch of tech demos. And then Nintendo was so impressed, they essentially gave them an unlimited budget for whatever they wanted to do. So this new studio, Rare, went out, created a ton of games, created things like Battletoads, created a bunch of ports. I think they had like 60-plus games on the Nintendo. And then SNES came around, and they decided they wanted to buckle down and focus on that 3D hardware, because that was the new up-and-coming kind of thing to do so they bought and i love this they bought a bunch of silicon graphics uh hardware sgi is the company now they've got these sgi machines to work with their 3d graphics and they bought Mm -hmm. these all of these workstations were like eighty thousand pounds a piece at the time yeah so they were trying to be in the front runner of this and they they went and made all of these 3d graphics the 3d sprites they wanted to be at the front edge the development time even after all that was only 18 months though to be fair 18 months at this time period is relatively long in comparison to some of the other games we've talked about that get games out within a year and their next couple of sequels did take less time that is true but overall i think very similar to uh, their counterpart, Vector Man, uh, even more so, this game was very, very well received. Uh, game rankings had an aggregated score of 89% for the SNES version. Um, there were other versions put out, like uh, for the Game Boy Advanced and everything, but for the original SNES version, they got a score of nine, 89% aggregated score. Nintendo Life ranked it as a 9 out of 10. IGN had an 8.5 out of 10. Um, one of the quotes I found was, the game's novel use of pre-rendered 3D models and visuals were universally lauded among critics, with many citing that its graphics were the first of its kind and helped to set it far apart of, from its contemporaries. So again, bringing back those 3D graphics really made it stand out. 
And so I think that is a really interesting thing. I thought another kind of interesting quote, though, was in more modern times, a reviewer has come back and said that they think that it actually is overrated now, which I think is kind of fascinating. Hmm. I think you and I will talk about that on our replay, whether we think it's overrated yeah. or not. That's essentially one of the big points of this podcast. So what? Um, <laughs> but it was basically that they believe that it was a rush job that they rushed through it to have the 3d 3d graphics and to kind of have that out there and help sell units as opposed to be a clean and polished game like Miyamoto typically puts out. Um, so I think that's an interesting take. We will discuss whether our opinions agree with that or not. I think I actually read somewhere where Miyamoto pretty much was incredibly hands off with the dev of this game. So it's just like, he kind of let rare do their thing. He, he did an initial design of how he thought the characters could evolve mm-hmm. from their original forms, and that was about it. He really backed off from there. Um, and so maybe that is part of like what they're saying. It's not one of his types of games because he really wasn't involved. Um, but we'll discuss our opinions on whether we think that opinion is cr- our version of that opinion and see whether we agree with it or not. So we don't always get a chance to talk about speedruns, especially coming off the back of a couple of RPGs, which speedrunning isn't really a thing. <laughs> But this game absolutely has a speedrunning community. This game absolutely lends itself to speedrunning. Based on speedrun.com, the fastest time was set two months ago. So that'll show you kind of the community that still exists. Two months ago, the fastest time for this game was 31 minutes, 8 seconds. And, and that's incredible. I think with both of our playthroughs, we were both in the two-hour range of the official game time, yeah. and that doesn't even count the save scumming, which means all the time we lost by playing that. So we were definitely well above that, unsurprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that's a great look at the game as a whole. I think it's time to throw things back to the past. Let's use our Chiacarina of Time and listen to our Rose-Tinted Glasses segment. that music means that we have our rose-tinted glasses on. We are back in the past, ready to talk about the game before we played the game again for a repeat. So, it's going to be a bit of a special rose-tinted section because we have drawn on the expertise of producer Lisa, and she's going to help us more. So, producer Lisa and host Chris, what are your memories of Donkey Kong Country? I'm going to hand off the initial memories to producer Lisa because she actually owned this system and played it way more than we did so producer Lisa what are your memories of Donkey Kong Country I have a lot of memories of Donkey Kong Country it was one of my favorite games and actually it's basically the game that made me love cartoon games like cartoony games because if you think about it you didn't get that on the NES right because everything was like 8-bit that's not cute and cartoony. Like, it's just blocks. So this was the first time I saw, like, basically, essentially a cartoon as a game. So I liked that. The graphics were really kind of breathtaking at the time. Yeah, I was literally writing down notes, and I was like, vivid color. Like, I just remember the green and, and how saturated it was. 
that's how I remember seeing it. Just like a really intense green as opposed to yeah. some of the older games, which were just a little bit more washed out. Might have been my TV. I don't know. I think we played it on a really old TV, though. So it, I don't think it was the TV. <laughs> I think it was the game. But that was one of the cool things about it was like visually. I'm really, really bad at platformers, even though I like them. I'm really, really bad at them. But I thought the the barrels, like the barrel hopping was my favorite because like I was kind of bad at it, but I was kind of so not as bad barrels. at it as jumping. That is, that is one of my notes, yeah. I just remember barrels everywhere. Well, I remember whole levels where it was just barrel to barrel to barrel to barrel to barrel, or actually like the special areas. Yeah, that was my note too, and how terrible I was at the barrels. The barrels definitely <laughs> stood out, and I remember being terrible at them. I could like time it. I guess, because you'd wait long enough, and most of the time they'd be repeating. Well, because they would either spin around in circles or kind of go... Or they sometimes go up and down. Yeah. And then you'd have to get all the bananas, or like the bunches of bananas. Instead of rings or coins, it was yes. bananas. Well, why would it be rings? This is not Sega. Well, that's fair. But that's, that's the point. <laughs> Every game had their own device that you collected. Mario had his coins, Sonic had his rings, Jack and Daxter had orbs. In Donkey Kong Country, you had bananas. Yeah. It was a very Mario game because it was levels and then it, you went to the overworld to go to a different level and you oh, could yeah. skip I levels. I about the overworld part. Yeah. Because I didn't play a lot of Mario games before this because, well, they were so hard on the NES and I yeah. was relatively young. I couldn't I just was terrible. I could get past, like, two levels, and then I would die. So this is actually what got me into Mario, like, into those games, which I didn't really start playing until, like, college because I was that bad that I, <laughs> I, I needed to be that advanced in my education before I could play Mario games, apparently. I will say, this is a game I think Chris and I played a little bit together, but it would always be at friend's house because, again, we didn't originally own this system, so I think we played more at friend's house in general. Lisa, you guys, you own the system, and you have an older brother you played with, correct? So this was also a game you played with a sibling? Yeah, my brother actually bought the Super Nintendo uh, system, and he had saved for it, and he had a little chart that he would, like, fill in as he was, like, saving money to buy it, because we had an NES at the time, and I, I cannot tell you how we got that. I, somehow, somebody bought it for us. I don't know. <laughs> um, so then my brother saved up to get the Super Nintendo. So I would make my brother do the hard parts for me. I don't know <laughs> who, would, who would have to do that for me now. <laughs> yeah... No one on this recording knows that feeling. No, we definitely have never. <laughs> no, never. Don't do that anymore. N never. Definitely, definitely don't. No, but I mean, there's a lot of uh, the banana bunches you mentioned. I remember specifically how impressed I was when you got a bunch of bananas that it didn't just say, okay, you have 12 bananas immediately. It like, it separated the bananas out and they'd go in a line. They would all go in a line, oh, yeah. yeah. And I just remember thinking that was so cool. Like, I remember being so impressed with the graphics of this game. Even looking back, they still look pretty cool to me. Yeah. I think there was vines too. There was vines, right? Please tell there me there was vines. There were definitely vines. There were vines. I, that was the part I thought was hard for me. I feel like I always miss the vines. I, oh I, yeah, the swinging vines. The swinging yeah, vines, yeah, yeah. the swinging vines. I would always miss the vine and I would get really mad yeah so to, to your point of like that even now the graphics don't they seem to hold up and i think this has to go kind of to what you're saying of that cartoon style and we talked about it a bit with jack and daxter of when you have that cartoony style you're not trying to be realistic in any way or gritty or whatever your style is more it has a light a longer lifetime it doesn't age out right of that. yeah donkey kong still looks like donkey kong absolutely because he they still make him look i mean he, they've upgraded his graphics but they, it's relatively the same still and so that's why the original game still looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's still recognizable. 
think the character was like the first character I really cared about from a video game because all the other video games I played were like Home Alone and stuff. The characters that came from somewhere else, not like a, a native video game character. So like it, weirdly enough, it's not Mario. It wasn't like the first one. I was saying, that's super interesting. Yeah, it was definitely like Donkey Kong because mm -hmm. that was like the like I don't know. I just connected with that system more. I was a little bit older too, right? I think for me, the another thing that uh, I remember of Donkey Kong Country that stuck out that is something that has shown up in later games that even we've already played um, was the collection of a word. Kong. Kong. You yeah. would find Kong mm. in every level. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I don't remember ever having in any other game before. Like, obviously, like Sonic, again, you had the rings and stuff like that. But the idea of collecting a same set of word, always a word in every level. I mean, Tony Hawk has that and did Skate. Other games definitely have that idea, but I, I want to say Donkey Kong Country was the first time I remember. You saw it in Yoshi's Island with the flowers. You would collect the flowers. Those are not yes, words. Yes, collect the flowers, but not flowers a word. Flowers are not words. Well, yeah, it's not a word, but it was still a collection somewhere throughout the level. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember the, the letters because it was just like... You remember the animals? No. That was one of my favorite parts. I remember riding the rhino. Riding the rhino or the ostrich I... or the dolphin. With the animals, you had to get you had to get three tokens of the animal, and then once you got the third one, it would appear. But you definitely there were certain levels where you were given an animal because it was the only way to progress. Mm. Was like you were given the rhino because you had to shoot up the enemies or something. Yeah, and like there, burst there was something through. That bounced. Yeah. The animals. I that's something. The rhino specifically is what I always remember. I can I can picture the rhino now. The rhino is I can picture one, like yeah. the, the image of the rhino, but I don't remember how often I. I remember a ton of the sound effects, like the yes. bouncing, like the and bouncing off of things, like the uh, like you would like that boing, like it's it's those sound effects still stick in my brain. It's all visual for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, you don't remember things in general, so... I don't. My entire memory is a bunch of things mushed together. Yeah. So if I if there's a series of movies, they're all one movie in my brain. There's a series of books, they're all one book in my brain. So if there's a series of video games, they're basically all one video game. So I'm just impressed that I remembered as much as I did. The old man was in this one too, right? Craggy Kong! That was yes, his name! I just called him Old Man Kong, and I knew that wasn't his yeah. name. But what was the what was the like the Surfer Kong? Yeah, I don't remember his name, but I remember he existed. And then there was the um, super sexualized Kong. What was her name? Candy Kong. Candy Kong. For those who did play this game, like, how much do you feel like you actually were like, oh, Donkey Kong? I want to play a Donkey Kong game. I know Donkey Kong from no. the arcade game versus totally different. I had no idea. Well, yeah. I would have had no idea at that. At that and age, this was the first time I remember Donkey Kong. I would yeah. literally, I think I found out at some point that he came from the arcade game, but I never, I never played arcade games, like, really ever, because I think by the time I would have been tall enough to reach the arcade games, we already had console games. No, but yeah, I think Donkey Kong Country was the first one I really just remember playing Donkey Kong and knowing who he was as a character. All right, so we've done a lot of talking. We've gotten producer Lisa involved. We'll go to her first. Producer Lisa, we'll involve you with this since since you have a lot more rose-tinted than us. What is your rose-tinted score for Donkey Kong Country? Because we're definitely going to make you play this again. 
what would childhood Lisa rate it? Yeah. What would I have rated it? Um, I was thinking of all the games I played. So I'm rating it amongst that. It's probably like it, it was. It's an eight. I said probably. You're wearing off. <laughs> it was now you know the eight. pressure, Lisa. Ah. You get the pressure. Huh? Definitely an eight. That's really high for me. Lisa I have goes high with. Standards. Lisa goes with. Yeah. She I does. A, I took a test. That's what it told me. Welcome to my life. Producer Lisa has high standards. I mean, I, with her choice of partner, you know, I'm not sure I believe that. But I know. I, I get by somehow. He's, he's grandfathered in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. K- Katie, what is your rose-tinted score for this game for the limited amount that we've played it? As Chris's soul left his body. <laughs> a a seven only because we didn't play it as much and so i don't have a ton of memories around it and i remember enjoying it but not it it was not the first game we would play when we'd go places mm-hmm. uh, for good reason normally it'd be like you know mario kart or something but I, I i give it a solid seven what about you chris let's round it out what would you give this i'm gonna go with a seven and a half because i know that it was designed in in my brain it was designed really well and they had those mechanics that i enjoyed and it was hard, but not in an annoying way, I think. So I'm going to go with a seven and a half. So we'll see how it goes. Katie, what is your projected score? My uh, predicted score, I'm going to give it... I, I'm i actually going to say I'm going to enjoy it more because I'm going to be able to dedicate more time to this than I ever was as a kid. So I'm going to up my score for once, and I'm going to give it an eight. I think I'm going to give it an... Or I'm going to give it an eight and ten. I think I'm going to enjoy it a ton. Um... What about you, Chris? What What's your predicted score? I project that I'm going to give it an eight or an eight and a half. I'll, I'll go eight because I think that it's going to be a lot of fun. And because we didn't have a chance to give it a lot of play, that I will actually enjoy it. So, producer Lisa, we are going to make you play this again. Yes, we are. What do you to be think? Fair, I think I already played a tiny bit when we first got. How dare you? That was a long time ago. That was before the podcast. How dare that you? That was like forever ago. I don't even there remember. There is no before the podcast. <laughs> the before times. I think eight and a half because I think it's a hopefully it's a little easier than when I was 10 or 11 or whatever, but it's still probably not going to be quite as good as some of the modern games that are super easy and make me happy because I'm really bad at everything. So this is going to turn out super, super well, and I can't wait. This is going to be so much fun. Play that Chiacarita of time. Bring us back into the present. I can't wait. Let's go. It's going to be so much fun. It's a me, Donkey Kong. <laughs> <laughs> I have missed that Chiacarina of time. We've gone two episodes without it, and now it's back like a comfortable blanket. And I say that not just because I wrote it and I'm proud of it. And uh, back with us through the, the coming back from the past with us is our special guest host in this episode, producer Lisa. So welcome back. Welcome back, producer host Lisa. That's too many words. <laughs> Prost! Prost, Lisa! Prost, Lisa! 
I mean, that's way cooler than anybody else's title. That's fair. <laughs> so, welcome back with us, Prost Lisa. So, now that we've we've heard our opinions in the past, uh, before we talk about our replay of it, let's go into a little bit about the plot and the mechanics of the game. So, the plot of the game is fairly straightforward. It's your classic princess is in another castle, except substitute princess with gigantic banana, gigantic pile of bananas. For bananas! Oh, now I found I sound like a minion. Banana, banana. <laughs> which is a great thing in the first level, and and you might miss it too, right? Like there's the first level, and if you don't think to go backwards, you would miss the go into the horde, and there's a gigantic empty hole. With yeah. a sign that says DK's Horde, and then Donkey Kong gets no really bananas. sad with sad music. Yes. And so, yeah, basically the whole game is going through because uh, King Krog? Cruel. KR Rule. KR Rule stole your banana horde, and now all of him and his minions have taken them, and you're trying to regather them. Um, so you're going from a level to level to pick up bananas, but mostly beat the bosses who have giant bananas uh, and get your stuff back. Uh, along the way, you are playing, obviously, as Donkey Kong, uh, along with Diddy Kong is your second player. You meet up with some of the other Kongs, uh, one being Cranky Kong, who, if you read canonically, is the original Donkey Kong from the original Which is games. amazing. And that's you, you wouldn't know that unless you read through the manual. Yes, Cranky did lose a lot of weight from when he was fighting the original Jumpman. While in the game itself, it doesn't tell you that he is the original Donkey Kong, the ma and the manual is where you find out. If you talk to him enough times, he actually alludes to it, the fact that he used to do things in, back in his day, and it's kind of hinted at in the actual gameplay. Right. Uh, but you also, along the way, you meet Funky Kong, who can fly you from world to world. Correct. Funky Kong was the way to kind of go back to levels that you'd already beaten because there was a kind of a hundred percent element to yeah. this game. And since there, there is an overworld in this game, but not, you can't, you don't always pull back all the way. So funky Kong kind of jumps you around. And the last Kong you meet up with is of course, candy Kong. We did remember all of these Kongs in the rose tinted segment. I'm pretty sure. So our last Kong is candy Kong, who is donkey's girlfriend who helps you save. which I called multiple times, sexy Kong. And producer Lisa was oh. immediately annoyed as soon as I said that. No. I mean, that's fair. She has, she is, she is not incorrect. Wrong. I'm um, pretty sure we talked about this in the rose tinted segment where we yes. looked up Candy Kong and. No, I had to tell you guys about it because you didn't remember yes. her, and I mentioned that she was a real, a weirdly sexual, sexualized monkey. Sexy Kong. She's a weirdly humanized monkey. This game actually was really funny. They did break the fourth wall quite a bit, actually, even in game. The idea that Cranky Kong is like, well, in my day, I could beat this game like this. And he like alludes to those like elements in yeah. the game as well. There's definitely some self-referential stuff throughout the game. So, you know, I mean, and that's that's basically the whole plot of the game. It, it's not anything more complicated than that. It's a very simple, straightforward game when it comes to the plot. Uh, getting to the mechanics, it is just a 
platformer. Uh, yeah. It's you're jumping through the air. Uh, we were right. There were animals involved. You definitely get to ride around on some animals at various points in the game. Um, the rhino, a ostrich, a frog, a swordfish. We were we were slightly wrong in the rose tinted. We we talked about the tokens or the little like yes. things that gave you a bonus level, which was a chance with those yeah, animals with that animal to get you more lives. Yes, it was not how you Correct. got the animal in game. Yeah. You just ran into crates yeah. with them. And there was so there was uh, Rambi, the rhinoceros. The rhino. Yes, and you would just you know sit on his back and he would just ram. Through yeah, exactly. Things wreck wreck everything in his way you could also break open secret passageways which were scattered mm-hmm. all over the place uh there was also espresso not no, espresso no, i know it i know me. i know it that's that's it's it it's actually it's actually espresso the ostrich yes and espresso could glide and jump and yeah, flap he flap, would flap yep. and glide and and he could run over Certain enemies, so like low enemies, like the little the little chompy things. I think they were little alligators. Yes. The little alligators, yes. Um, and then there was Winky the Frog. Uh, correct? Winky? Yes. Winky the Frog, and he helped you jump real high. Um, and then he could also, if he landed on top of enemies, he could also help kill enemies sometimes that way. There um, was the Swordfish, whose official name was Ungard. Which is which, actually a pretty yeah, which, which is a, a great name. Yeah, he yeah. was underwater, so you could He helped you be more efficient. Yes, underwater. you could swim in multiple directions other than just going up and you could you could poke things to get rid of them. There was also Squawks. Squawks? Squawks was the parrot. Oh he only showed up. He was oh, only yeah, in level. he was only in what level and it was dark. And he and... he carried the light Correct. for you. So there was those I there was those him. five Animals. Really, can... only four of them had the the bonus levels. You you could yes. ride squawks. Correct. But he was still a helper, and he deserved True. credit. So there was those animals, and again, we we kind of talked about there were bonus levels with them. If you got what like three tokens, which were three of which are kind of scattered around, you would and hidden. Yeah, around. you would go into a bonus level where they would uh, put a bunch of essentially. The, Mini, mini tokens. tokens, and you would get them, and for every hundred, you would get an extra life. Skipping okay. ahead. So, yeah, so I mean, and, and so those that was the other, uh, we kind of, again, we talked about that in the rose-tinted segment, um, but when it comes to the actual gameplay, you go through different areas that, and, and this game definitely had a lot of those typical, stereotypical video game levels. There was the jungle yeah. level, there were the, the, the ice and snow levels, there was the dark level, that actually happens more often yeah, than the, I would have thought. Yeah, the underground level. The underground where either you have to turn on lights or you have like squawk following you with light, like something that's limiting your vision. Um, there was a temple. I want to say like ancient temple levels that you were running around. That was uh, uh, something you encountered. Um, I'm trying to think of the others. So the other, I think the more interesting part of the gameplay when it comes to Donkey Kong is the variety of levels for a platformer because you had those levels, the different areas, but it was also, you had the minecart level as much as that drove us crazy. You had the underwater levels. You had, uh, the, the barrel heavy levels. And we talked about the barrels in the rose tinted segment that you had to use barrels sometimes to get from barrel to barrel to barrel. Uh, these were, I think, unique mechanics for the games. At least the barrels were. 
I thought they did a really good job of progressing the levels. So, like, uh, we, we've talked about in episodes past uh, tutorials that are seamless tutorials. Like, you don't realize you're going through a tutorial. I thought this game was really, really good with that. So they would do things like they would introduce a mechanic with uh, no, no downside if you mess it up. Like, a, a, sh a, a barrel that would shoot you across the sky. If you mess it up, you would just fall on regular ground. I think some of it, it, it definitely did a great job of that. I think other times, well, not mechanics. They definitely threw some curveballs at you as as games oh, yeah. do. I, I'm I'm now stuck in that minecart again. And I just remember out of nowhere, suddenly you running into another minecart, which never happened before. And you're supposed to know inherently to jump over it or jump into it or however it was. And it's just like those kind of moments were ridiculously frustrating. But that's why it was that level, right. to be I fair. That whole level. <laughs> You had you would never see anything coming. It didn't even matter if it was something you'd seen no. before. You still couldn't figure it out the first time because it was just moving so fast. Well, that was yeah, that was an obnoxious thing, and it 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 made me think of a lot of Sonic levels, where you're just going so fast, like you almost couldn't see what's coming. It traces back to some of the developers' notes where they were saying that they wanted it to be easy to pick up, but they wanted it to flow seamlessly into if a player had practiced a ton. So it's one of those, like, easy to learn, hard to master. And you can see that right. all over the place. So there's all this timing stuff. And if you kind of look at it, the best way to go through it with the timing of things like barrels jumping over bees that you see a lot, right. or, or vines, or mine carts... The best timing is the timing that is in front of you right away. Yeah, that was something that uh, both producer Kyle and I realized as we were playing through is the best time to do it almost was never that first. Like if you missed it on the first chance, it was 10 times harder. The timing didn't work Absolutely. out correctly. Especially when so, they had like six things moving. Yeah. Yes, you'd have to go from rope to rope to rope to rope, and the best way to do that is hit it every single time you're ready. Um, and that that was both good and super frustrating because you'd have those moments where you'd get it right the very first time, and you'd be like, wow, I did it, and then something would kill you later. And you'd go through it again, and you'd overthink it the second time I'd owe it, oh, or yeah, I would absolutely. always overthink it the second time. And, and then a segment that I did in the first time, no problem, suddenly takes me 20 more times times to get through because I'm overthinking it because I'm not just instinctually essentially just going with it every single time. This is why it's perfect for a speedrunning community. Yeah. It's they're designed it the more you memorize it, the better you practice it, the faster you'll be able to Absolutely. Go. The and that is really why a game like this is so appealing I think to the speedrunning community. This isn't a game that you speedrun by glitching through things. No. This is a game you speedrun by by mastering. By by it. getting the timing absolutely perfect. Well, I this was acting is... as a navigator at one point for for Chris here because yes, in the yeah, in the, the minecart mine mine yeah. carnage because I had been playing it and and then I got frustrated and needed a break and I gave it to him but I remembered mm -hmm. everything and I was like no there's another one coming there's another minecart coming okay now you need to jump here now yeah. you need to jump here it's like and I think we were talking about that while we were watching each other play because you'd have you'd be like jump jump yeah. jump as you're watching the other like the other coast playing the game we were starting to yell at the screen of like no no it's coming yeah so we're starting to talk about a little let's get into our actual uh 
what our thoughts were on the game itself and playing the game again. Uh, as we did in the Rose Tinted segment, you know, uh, producer Lisa, I think, or Prost Lisa, <laughs> I think, played a lot more of this game when she was younger than Chris and I did. So how did it feel getting back into the game? How much of it was still... Did you, how much did you remember of it still? Did you have a lot of memory of it when you're playing? Like how, like, you know how when you're playing, you're like, you just kind of still had mem- things memorized or how did it go? I definitely didn't have anything memorized, um, except for like the visuals of the backgrounds and the characters. And most of those came flooding back. But, um, I never remember things like I said before. So I didn't remember any of the specific, like, <laughs> <laughs> like how the level went and how it progressed. Um, but it did feel very much the same. It felt like I thought it was going to feel, um, and it was, uh, maybe it was a little easier than I remember it being, but it was still really hard. Yeah. But I think it's cause I really haven't played it in 15 15 years. years. Yeah. At least. At least. Yeah. So I. And I've been playing a lot more video games during that time. So, and also I think I was like more analytic in how I played it. So when I realized that there was no momentum when you took your hand. Oh off yeah, we haven't even talked about that. Um, I was I was able to like vocalize that, and I was like, "This is something you have to do." I was able to tell myself, you know, you can't do that. So I don't think I would have done that 15 years ago or 20 years ago. I wouldn't have done that. So, but it felt the same, but it actually felt kind of more fun. This game hated Isaac Newton. <laughs> there was no momentum imparted unless you imparted it yourself. There, For me, there was a certain amount of muscle memory, especially on those very oh, early yeah. levels that I know I played a lot as a kid um, and played with friends a lot. Uh, but yeah, I think I think seeing certain levels that I remembered from when I was younger, yeah, it was more of a visual memory of like, oh yeah, I remember the snow levels. Oh, I remember hating the yeah. snow levels. Yep, yep, I remember this. But it was I, I kind of almost agree with Prost Lisa that it is it, it was it felt a lot of fun. I yeah. really enjoyed playing through this game. I enjoyed the heck out of it. Oh god. Stop it. <laughs> I think it was that level where it was really hard, but we felt like we could accomplish it. Like, it didn't feel hopeless. So yeah, that, that's, that a, that's like a, a great way to put it. That was, like, the border where I was, like, I, you know, you didn't just want to give up because you really felt like you could do it. Whereas there are some of these older games where you're just like, you know, I can't. I'm never going to do it. I'm not anywhere close. I don't understand the, the strategy. I think that's a good point because I, I felt like like when we played Earthworm Jim, there were just points that I was like, I'm never going to get this and I, yeah. I'm just going to stop playing because I'm never going to get this. And I don't think I ever felt that way during this playthrough. There were times when I might have had producer Kyle step in for a bit, but I think I also know had I just kept going and trying and trying, I would have gotten there eventually. I thought this game had a lot of really fun mechanics. Like they would introduce new mechanics like things like uh you know there's the shooting barrels but then you get to the random level that is a platform that you jump on and it just kind of scoots through the level on a wire right here's going back to that great tutorial type thing the first time you meet it it's just a platform that slides through and you have to stay on the platform and jump over and around stuff 
as it's going through. The second time you see that mechanic, it needs fuel, <laughs> which means you have yeah. to find those fuel cans. So that was I thought that was a great kind of uh, escalation of difficulty. So it's not Sonic, so there's not rings, but there was bananas. Bananas were collected as points. They weren't your health. They weren't your health. They're points. They're they're similar to coins in Mario. That would that would require that you when to you have get a hundred, you get a life. That's true. That's true as well. Yeah, they 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 are a way. If you get a hundred, you get a, you get a life. That is why Which they is exist. Which is a balloon. Can we talk about that? Why? Yes, yes. That was the that was one of was like that was so one of producer good, Lisa's notes. But then notes. there's like it's a balloon. Your, I don't understand what that has to do with any other part of the game. Your extra life instead of a mushroom was a, a red balloon. A balloon. Well, and all your lives were represented as a balloon yes. in the top right corner. Um, we also didn't mention in the mechanics, uh, and this was a, one of those original games, not the original, but one of the original games where you had to collect letters, like in Tony yes. Hawk, as we talked about. So you had to collect letters, and those were another way to get an extra life. Now, in later games, the collecting Kong, K-O-N-G, weren't an extra life. They were like to open up secret levels and stuff. But in this game, you get all four letters, you get an extra life. So that was kind of something else you were collecting along the way backtracking a little bit and talking about the physics of the game or lack thereof again another one of our tropes we're really good at this we pick out good tropes the the lack of or the video game physics uh, producer kyle and i actually watched a video that just came out like today about the physics of how what it would take to push a a gorilla out of a barrel the amount of force that would be needed <laughs> yeah they literally like calculated the speed you're going when you're exiting the barrel I mean, but uh, also and, the barrel floats, so. Well, they, 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 that's the joke. Is they're like, see, I proved this game doesn't make sense that a floating, yeah. It's a joke. It's a video game channel, but they did the physics of it, and it was really fascinating. It, it basically implied, or applied, saying, at the very basic level, if shooting one of, like, a Donkey Kong out of one of these barrels would apply, what was, like, 29 Gs, 23 Gs to him as he's being forced out of the barrel because he goes so fast. And then gets caught in another barrel without hurting Well, that was the point, is that it was like he would explode into a million pieces. (laughs) Um, I also want to talk about with the barrels, that some of them were automatic and some of them you had to decide. And one thing that drove me about it crazy was after the automatic ones would just push you into the next barrel or wherever you need to go, later in the game, you had to start timing when you went into the automatic barrel because then it would be launching you immediately into a moving barrel. So if you didn't time it correctly, the timing of this game sometimes got real picky. There was, you you can go back and look at, I know, my stream where I would mess that up and get just get stuck in a loop for about five minutes. I, I did that a couple yeah. times as well. I, I couldn't handle watching him do it because I was just like, no, you're, that's the same. Oh my God, you're hitting it at the same time. Why are you not trying something different? Oh, why? Stop. As I kind of said, the variety of levels was really interesting with Donkey Kong. They definitely made sure to have the different style levels. And then came the boss levels. The bosses were so weird. The bosses were really basic, all things. Yeah, considered. like, especially it, it, with, the first one. The right? first one I beat by myself and literally said, <laughs> wait, that's, it's done? That's it? Because, like, I'm really, really bad at all things that need, that need to be done quickly, which is a lot of yeah, boss we fights. Had, and I, I definitely had the moment of, like, I'm missing something. It has to be harder than this. Like, it, it can't just be bounce off his well, head. Well, yeah, what because there's not a good this? indication when you bounce off, especially the first couple bosses, mm-hmm. You jump on them, and the 
nothing the really difference happens. between doing it correctly and incorrectly is so that you you hit the first one and it just kind of goes Bleh. and you're like is is that what i was supposed to do or you have no idea yeah. like what's going no on idea. but you're just like well it, and- it seems like maybe something's happening so i'm gonna keep doing it but it took like 60 seconds to finish that whole level after numerous attempts to finish the level before it it was just it was just so it was much just easier really different in comparison to the levels yeah like this is again these weren't also bosses that you have to go through a whole level and the boss is waiting for you at the end right. of the level they were their own levels so all you do is you showed up in a pile of bananas and fought a boss and that was it and and all the bosses were pretty much jump on their head and they never followed the rule of three they followed maybe four or five except the last boss when you get to kr rule yeah it, well kind of so he's well okay so because i think i did i get there first or did you get there first you did you i got, got there first so cruel. yeah big fat alligator that's literally the last the last level is just the boss and mm-hmm. you go through throws the crown, jump over, hop on his head, goes by. So there's the rule of three once, and yeah. then you hop on him again. He drops a bunch of cannonballs. That's another rule of three. So it's like, all right, rule of three twice. And then you hit him that third, or, you know, after those two, he falls over and it goes to a credit screen. Credits with a K. Credits with a K. But literally, this happened, and uh, you were watching, and me and producer Lisa were like, yay, we beat it! And my brain is going, well, that was only two. And then I think producer Lisa was like, oh, that's funny, because all the credits start with K. And it's just like, and all the joke names and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, you're back to the boss. And And then you And then I died right away, and I think the stream immediately made fun of me. I mean, aptly, yeah. it was Yeah, cruel. correct. It yeah. was cruel. They're like, don't celebrate victory yeah. too soon or something so you, like that. Yeah. You go back and there's another stage I'm that sure, you have to do three times. Yes. I'm sure anyone who may have watched us celebrate, who knew the game well enough to know, um, was really having a good time because we were pretty happy for a little bit there. Yeah, they were laughing at us for sure. The bosses were oddly... Simple? Simple and like quick compared to everything else. In comparison to the levels, the bosses didn't seem as well thought out. Yeah, they were kind of afterthoughts. Like in many other games, you have to like, you have to gear up for the boss, whatever, you know what I mean? You go take a break and you, or if it's like an RPG, you get all your, you know, your potions and stuff ready. This, these bosses, you could just walk right in and like be done on your first or second try and... You know, they they were some yeah. of the easiest levels in the game, except for Cruel. Except for Cruel. One other thing we hadn't mentioned that I, I do want to mention was, we said that you have both Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong, and you can switch back and forth between the two of them as long as you had both, because they essentially give you two lives every round. Yeah, that was that was your second you life, yeah. But they, they also played slightly differently. So Donkey Kong was able to qu- kill all enemies, whereas some enemies Diddy couldn't kill initially. It took him more tries, I think. Oh, you couldn't even touch um, them, like the big a... fat ones. Yeah, I had a problem. Yeah, the big fat like, ones you would just bounce yeah. off Bouncing off, and I couldn't jump over them, and then I couldn't get to the um, DK barrel to get DK. It was... 
an endless loop. So DK could kill all all the enemies, but Diddy jumped higher. Yes. And so both producer Kyle and I preferred Diddy. Yeah, he was. And he ran He was faster. way more agile. He was better in the swimming levels. Yeah. So definitely preferred Diddy, but he just couldn't kill everyone. So it was the only reason Donkey was useful. So we've gone over a lot of the game. We've talked about our opinions on it. It's time to get into scores, and we're going to make producer Lisa go first. So producer Lisa, prost Lisa, what would you give this game on your replay? I give it a nine this time because it was easier than I thought it was going to be, even though it was really hard. <laughs> I was going to say it was easier than you thought it could be. I was there when you were going through it. but Yeah, but you don't know how hard I thought it was <laughs> going to be. That's fair. That is fair. I thought it was going to be like insurmountable for me, but because I, I just like to watch other people play and live vicariously through them. But I was able to accomplish many levels on my own. Um, on my own. Not, not quickly. No, stop it. Yes. This, Are we sure this isn't a musicals podcast? It's, it's <laughs> happened at least the last two or three that we've managed to slip in musicals everywhere. I mean, this is our life, to be fair. That is true. <laughs> yeah. So you gave it a nine. Your rose score was an eight, and your predicted score was an eight and a half. So, that's fair. Uh, Katie, what would you give it? Your rose score was a seven. So, I disagree with that one opinion I mentioned earlier that it was overrated. I do not think this game was overrated. It was still a ton of fun. There was absolutely frustrating levels. And I can see what they were talking about to a certain extent that certain items might have been rushed, like the bosses, for example. Like yeah. some of the repetition of levels at times, there wasn't enough different that you thought it needed a whole new level by itself. I get that. However, I I completely agree. I had a ton of fun. It wasn't impossibly difficult. Again, I think uh, producer Lisa put it perfectly earlier. You never felt like there was no hope to beating a level. And that is, I think, really key to still enjoying a game, even if it's difficult. Um, so I am going to give it an eight and a half. I really had a lot of fun playing this game. And then so to wrap things up, Chris, what will you give it? Uh, your rose tinted score was seven and a half. I think I'm going to give it a nine because I agree. It was just a fun game like it. It was incredibly hard and challenging in certain places, but it didn't feel impossible. There was never really despair. Like, I know we save-scummed a ton. I still thought it was a ton of fun to just go through the levels, and I didn't think it was too challenging. So I'm going to go a 9. Like, it was just a... It's a solid, solid platformer. The mechanics change it up enough where it doesn't get boring... I, I think yeah. it's super, super interesting and, and neat the way that they go. And I don't know if this is Absolutely. because we were playing it on the mini or not, but it, there was nothing frustrating about, like, the controller. It didn't feel yeah. like it was ever broken. Yeah. I, I think it, it, it aged really well in the grand scheme of things. And this is the game that... I mean, it, it spawned, you know, the kart racers and everything. Yeah. This, this, this is what, as you said, revitalized Donkey Kong as a franchise for Nintendo. He is one of the icons of Nintendo, and that wouldn't have happened without this game. A lot of times you can tell what our opinions are on our final question before we get to it, but let's ask it anyway. Chris and Lisa, would you recommend people to go back and play it again? I absolutely would. What do you think, producer Lisa? 
Oh, definitely. And I'm not just going to recommend it. I'm actually going to go play all of the other games that, you know, all of the sequels and all of the spin-offs um, just because I played this game for a while. It was a it was a pretty game. It was a fun game. The mechanics were good. Go back and play it. Ton of fun. I didn't enjoy the heck out of it because I'm not allowed to say that anymore. I enjoyed the heck out of it. So yeah, I think that is absolutely the conclusion I would reach as well. If you have a way to play it, play it. It is a ton of fun. It, it lives up to the memories. It lives up to the hype, in my opinion, in our opinion. So go back, play some Donkey Kong Country, get to know the Kong family again from their second origin story, let's say. And, and have some fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Next episode. Chris, what are we doing next episode? Our next episode is going to be a, a new genre from what we've done. It's going to be a fighting game, Soul Calibur 2. I'm pretty sure that, Katie, you loved this game. I am not super familiar with this game, so it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Yes, so we will be going into the Soul Calibur series. <laughs> uh, I, I, that's what they do in the announcers. I, I loved this. Series. This is why you don't do the trope of the day. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to it. That'll be our next episode. It'll be coming out in two weeks. It will also be our pre-Christmas episode. So fighting games before Christmas. That just makes sense. Violence before Christmas. Thank you again for listening. Please, as we always say at the end of these episodes, talk to us on social media. Talk to us while we're streaming. We love chatting with people. I had full-on conversations. You can ask me about my likes and dislikes, video games, non-video game stuff. Like, So join us. Uh, we're at GWGW Show on all the social medias, on Twitch. It's a great way to see what episodes are coming out even before we release them. Yeah, and so you'll know what games we're working on currently, even if we haven't announced the next game yet. Check out, we have a couple of YouTube videos out now. You can see some of the behind the scenes of us recording because it's a mess. And uh, yeah, thank you again to producer Kyle for all the hard work he does. Thank you, producer Lisa, for joining us on this episode. We've had a fun time having you as one of our co-hosts. Say goodbye, Katie. Goodbye, Katie Kong. Goodbye, everyone. I don't know things. Uh, that's fair. I forget the things.